This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. I've got Maiva Cifuentes here with me today from Flying Cat Marketing. Maiva, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I'm uh, honored to be here today. Yeah, we're going to be talking about something really fun and exciting, near and dear to my heart, which uh, is revenue-focused SEO. So rather than focusing on traffic and ranking, it's how do we get SEO to drive revenue? So let's... Uh, Let's dive in. Uh, we always like to talk about, um, you know, mindsets first, because uh, I think that's that's the critical piece. So when we think about, you know, changing the framework, if you will, from, okay, my, my job as an SEO is to drive traffic and rank number one for whatever, you know, broad terms like what is ERP or whatnot, to... Now I need to create content and optimize the site for revenue. What does that do to the mindset? How does that sort of, how does that change? What, what's the difference in mindset there? Right. So the first thing to look at is, I don't know if it's necessarily the SEO's decision to make to change that kind of mindset, even though it is, they should be thinking that way, but it's whoever is hiring or managing the SEO or whoever is deciding what role SEO has within the company. Uh, a lot of companies, unfortunately, see SEO right now as a box to check or the goal in itself. We need to do SEO. Uh, when it's not that, SEO is just a channel. It's just a way to distribute something that's going to lead you to the other goal. So when we have SEOs right now being told that the goal is traffic and rankings, so one thing that they're going to do is look a lot at search volumes when they're picking keywords. They're going to say, okay, we just need high search volume, high search volume. Uh, so first of all, <laughs> first of all, one thing that um, happens when you just look at the high search volumes is that uh, most of the time you're actually not even going to get that search volume. It doesn't really consider the click-through rate. It doesn't consider... Uh, the fact that it might be a featured snippet or people might not even be clicking onto the website. And it also considers uh, you might not even be making it to number one position there. Search volume is also not representative of how many, how much traffic you're going to get onto that website. So search volume itself is a bad metric to be looking at. But when we are reporting to people who don't necessarily understand SEO so well, they're going to be asking questions about why search volume? Why are you looking for something with lower search volume? Um, so you get a lot of pressure as SEO to look at search volume, and that's a completely wrong way of looking at it. Uh, when you And then as well, when you look for rankings, then you're just going to focus on getting rankings for any kind of broad keywords. And like you said, those kind of broad keywords, what is ERP? That doesn't necessarily represent uh, any kind of intent. It, there are some websites who are trying really hard to rank for a keyword CRM, for example, but who might be looking for CRM? It could be anybody who's just trying to learn what it is, somebody writing a paper. It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't show any intent. So it's really not going to necessarily lead you to a sale, even if it does lead you to that traffic. 
Another thing that happens when you optimize just for traffic and just for rankings is that you don't really care what happens after they get to the page. Um, the content doesn't really need to be good for you to be able to hit those KPIs. There doesn't need to be any CTAs for you to hit those key KPIs. And it doesn't need to be relevant to the person that you're trying to attract. Uh, so all of these really important things just get put aside because those aren't your KPIs and that's not what you're trying to achieve. Um, and then people wonder, well, SEO doesn't work for our business because we get all this traffic and nothing happens with it. Yet they're the ones who set those KPIs. They're the ones who said, just check the box SEO. And now they're saying that it doesn't work. So when you shift your mindset and you say, well, actually, SEO belongs to growth. SEO is something that's supposed to drive revenue. SEO should align with product. SEO <laughs> needs to convert. Then you start thinking about a lot of different things. First of all, you need to write really good content. It needs to be aligned with the audience. And I'm starting to feel dumb that we keep having to say this. It seems so obvious and cliche, uh, but we do have to keep saying it. We're hiring freelance writers for $30, $50 a piece, and uh, they don't understand what's going through a sales manager's head or CEO's head, or they don't even spend any time. They don't have the time. It was $50. You don't have the time to go and interview people <laughs> and to try to get into their heads. You don't have the time to talk to products. You just have to churn out as many words as you can. Um, when you shift thinking towards revenue, you realize well, actually, we do need to be able to make this, uh, to make our readers, who hopefully are these decision makers, these buyers, they have to be able to relate. You have to understand what's going on in their day to day, and that needs to be shown in the copy. Additionally, you need to focus on, you know, like, when you switch to thinking about revenue, you'll never not put a CTA ever again. And you'll never put some random CTA that doesn't have to do anything with the blog post or the search intent. You're going to make sure every page matches a search intent that's for the relevant reader. Uh, and that there's a CTA that makes sense there as well. You also start to pick more different kinds of pieces uh, to publish. Um, and it really completely shifts the way that you do things. When it comes to search volume, again, you stop focusing on search volume. You stop focusing on exactly how much traffic is this one page going to get, uh, because what you want to do is stack these really high intent, these really, really specific keywords, which are always going to end up having lower search volume, but it's going to be really, really clear what the intent is. And you really walk far away from, from search volume. And instead, you start to focus on how can I get the most qualified traffic that's going to make the most sense for us and for our business goals. So it's a pretty big mindset shift. And it's not just up to the SEO to do that shift. It's also the decision makers who need to understand this. So hopefully, the SEO can try to get a little bit of buy-in from them and explain this different way of thinking. But as we know, it's, uh, there is a lot of pushback. Even in you know demand gen, the companies say, I want demand gen. And then they come and say, OK, well, we're going to stop measuring MQLs. And instead, we're going to do this other thing. And they're like, wait, what? No. So it takes a lot of convincing uh, to, to shift the way that you're thinking about it here, because it's not usual yet to think that way. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there, there's a ton of uh, value, if you will, that you just threw out there in the, in the last like five minutes or so. So a couple of things I want to either come back to. One is, you know, I, I think part of this is it comes back to, uh, uh, you know, that kind of quality over quantity argument to a certain extent in the sense of like, you know, there's these antiquated even, uh, you know, business models of, okay, you know, content writers who are generally writing, you know, 
quote-unquote SEO content are paid by the word, right? So in their minds, well, the more I write, the better it is, when in reality, that's not that's not yeah. always the case, right? So it's like there's that, there's this fundamental shift in the way business needs to be done to kind of support this too. And then I think the other thing that I want to call out is I think there's a, you sort of alluded to it, there's a, a skill set gap as well. Marketers have traditionally often been trained just as marketers or just as SEOs. Like there isn't yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of marketers out there that don't have kind of what I'll call like business acumen. Like in, when I know when people ask me like, hey, what, you know, what, how should I level up? Or like if people start working for us and things, I'm like, learn business, finance, all those things, because that's what's going to help you be a better marketer and be yeah. revenue focused as an example. Um, I'm curious, like in your, in your business, obviously you run an agency like, uh, like we, like I do. Um, do you find that you have that kind of those issues in terms of, you know, if you're bringing on, I don't know if you work with freelancers, even if you're bringing on new kind of junior level copywriters, let's just say, um, are you finding those problems where you have to teach them that mindset because they're, they've never been trained that they've never, they don't yeah. even think that way. Yeah, that's the, it's, it's a challenge. We moved away from freelancers. So now we brought the writing team in-house. Our team grew a lot this year, mainly because we switched from that model mm -hmm. uh, for, for this reason. So we actually, the way that we started working now is we don't just write from a single perspective. It's not just up to the writer to come up with the blog post. We spend a lot of time interviewing the clients, getting their in-house opinions and views on things and getting other subject matter experts involved. So it becomes a lot more of a journalistic process. And it was pretty tricky to get freelancers on board doing this. Um, or we tried to do it ourselves like as editors and give them the information, but it, you didn't really get the same kind of buy-in from them. But yeah, for every new client, that's also why we try, okay, let's try to specialize a little bit so we get to just know the, the audience better because it does take time to understand what the day-to-day -day is. It takes so much time spending time in Slack channels on LinkedIn, starting to follow people, seeing how they talk. And it, it does take, there is a little bit of a learning curve training writers on how to change the way that they're thinking about writing intros, especially, or CTAs, or just what do pain points really mean? Uh, pain point isn't, oh, you didn't, get sales last quarter. It's more your your salespeople are working nonstop, but they're not hitting quota and you don't understand what it is. Is it the processes? You've tried all these tools, uh, but you're really frustrated that you, you don't understand how you can't get the pipeline to progress. And that's not something that a writer is just going to know. And you can't really Google that information either. Uh, you have to spend time with the people who are in it on the day to day. So we did have to bring the team in house so that we could get that kind of buy-in and process to be able to to shift the way that that we're writing for sure i mean that that totally resonates in the sense that um one of the we work with a lot of tech really technical industries so like you know manufacturing logistics med tech med device etc and the, the problem that inevitably comes up uh is either internally or externally it's the the subject matter experts don't have the time or the expertise to create the content, but then the marketing teams are not industry experts. So then what you yeah. end up with is, you know, you're basically like, you know, what is ERP type content, which who cares, yeah. right? Um, 
and the reason I, I always use that as an example because we, we had a ERP client at one point and those before we started working with them that's what they're optimizing for and like the people searching for that are like the you know mom and pop like SMBs but you guys yeah. are selling the enterprise there's not a single CTO out there searching for you know what is ERP yeah um, and it's yeah, that's the same thing kind of everywhere so I think um, that you're talking about, you know, that journalistic um, quality, if you will, kind of, you know, having a journalism background, let's just say, which we've definitely found to be a successful kind of transition. Uh, and I think I'd love to kind of shift the conversation over to skill sets, because I think that's definitely one of them. I know we've seen it, yeah. you mentioned it, but what are the, what are some other skill sets that you think, um, whether it's an SEO or a content writer in the space needs to have to be able to do this kind of work. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so tricky because as a, as an SEO, you know, you can do SEO really well and you can get to know SEO, but when you get to this moment where you have to drive revenue a little bit more it's about you have to select the right topics and with seo you kind of want to select all of the topics in the area because you want to be able to hit all of the long tail keywords and there's so many long tail keyword opportunities but you really have to understand uh when you when you look at the search intent and, and all seos i hope uh know how to identify search intent they know how to look at the serp and say okay this keyword this person is looking for this but you also have to be able to take that extra step and understand when you're looking at it, is this something that's for my ICP? Is this something that's for my readers? Uh, and what it, I think the skill set that it really takes is just listening really well, being a really good listener, being empathetic and knowing how to ask the right questions. Uh, so knowing how to reach out to people, how to communicate to them. And this applies for the SEOs and for the writers. Uh, probably a little bit more for the writers, uh, but at the same time, when you're mapping out a strategy and trying to understand what's going to be relevant or not relevant, you do need to be able to understand those kind of things. Um, and, and that comes as well from learning how to network. I think it's really difficult to be able to do this kind of work without a network. Uh, it makes it so much more challenging because when you do need to go out and find people to talk to, nobody knows who you are. Uh, and I mean, networking is already great for building your personal brand and everything, but actually when it comes down to doing SEO this way and doing marketing this way in general, your, net, your network is gonna mean a lot to you because you can easily talk to people the more that you get to know people. So networking is a huge skill that's gonna be really important here. And then interviewing skills is gonna be really important. Knowing how to do the research beforehand so that you actually are interviewing and asking the right kind of questions, educated questions, rather than asking them basic things that you could have Googled beforehand. Uh, so getting to know the industry well, preparing your questions that are already well-researched and uh, then being able to connect the dots from that data and being able to tell a story from it. So all of those things are important. And then of course, you have to be able to work with the product team and understand how does this tie into my actual product? How am I gonna tell the story with that in mind? Does it fit into it? Or is it even worth telling this, this perspective if I'm not gonna be able to somehow a little bit tie in, tie in the product? I would say those are skills that you need to develop that would be different from doing SEO the, the normal way. I love that you brought up network because I agree it's it's so critical and people don't really think of that as a SEO or a content skill. 
but it so is and like just to throw an anecdote out there like we just we just brought on not just i guess it's been six months now but we brought on a director of demand gen who was new and we also had a new client and for him and for us for that matter and it was in the you know uh med device engineering space and one of the first things he did is like well i know some folks over at Medtronic. let me just go talk let me just go call them right and just call yeah. up some engineers and started talking to them like without you know and it was it was easy because friends acquaintances etc right? and i think it, it's i do i agree with you it's so critical to have that network and then also to keep building that network as you go especially as you go into like a new space because yeah. it's you know you have to Sometimes if you go to a completely new space, you're starting from scratch. So you have to be good at building a network quickly. And nurturing the network. Yeah. Because I know sometimes like some of our people, they go out looking for, for people and they ask them and then they never talk to them again. And then they're like, oh, I have this new piece. I need to go find a subject matter expert. It's like, well, what happened to those people that you talked to before, but they don't maintain the relationship. So it's really important to be able to you start the network, you maintain those relationships, uh, and then you, and then that's when you really have a network that you can access. And it should yeah, be a priority, sure. really, to be building and nurturing it. I've, I've, de I've definitely uh, fallen into that trap before where, you know, you work with somebody for a while, and you don't talk to them for like two years, and all of a sudden you need something. It's like, hey, can you help me out with this thing? And you're like, maybe <laughs> they'll help you, but they're definitely not going to do it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. something you got to remember. I now have like bookmarks on my LinkedIn. I'm like, I got to keep, just keep in touch with these people. Yep. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For, for me, it's, uh, you know, it's sales nav and having like a separate list of like, uh, uh, you know, influencers or industry experts yeah. and whatever, just to kind of stay top of mind and engage and things like that. Um, you know, we, we talked, we talked about mindsets. We talked about skill sets quite a bit. Um, you know, one other thing specifically, I wonder if we can dive into a little bit more on skill sets is, um, is there a, you know, is there a different skill set or an adjustment to the copywriting skill set that needs to happen in terms of, because I know we're talking about a lot of written content development. Um, like how does, is there something different that somebody is doing when they are writing for revenue rather than writing for clicks? Yeah. So this person needs to understand conversion copywriting way more than a regular SEO writer. I actually don't think it needs to be an SEO writer. I, I am a, a little apprehensive of SEO writers because I think that they've learned bad habits. Um, so what, I agree with you. Can you, I'm curious, can you enumerate what some of those bad habits are? Well, <laughs> just to write like every sometimes people are afraid to join an seo agency because they're like are, are you going to make the articles seo-y where it's like not even written for a person and it's sad that that's still getting created and in, that doesn't even work like the algorithm is not created for the bots it's created for users but people keep writing in a way that's hard to read uh the headings are just stuffed with keywords and they're not written the way I like to see headings is, yeah, you put some keywords in there because you have to, but I would like for people to be able to gain the value by reading only the headings. I could read the headings and I could get the story. I could get the, the point of it and I could learn something if I only read the headings. Uh, and SEO writers don't do that because it's just stuffed with those people also ask questions. Um, 
So you really have to think about changing the outline a little bit. You can include all of those headings. We like to include them uh, where it doesn't make sense in the body. We like to include them in an FAQ section at the bottom, for example, uh, because you always, okay, so we have a rule. We always want to put an FAQ. We always want to put a definition. So what is X? We do put it in every piece, but sometimes it looks really weird. Uh, like you said, a CTO, if they're reading an article about, I don't know how to launch your MVP or something and it says, what is an MVP? <laughs> no, then it's, it, it, it immediately turns off the person. So you can just put that at the bottom in an FAQ section if you really want to hit that keyword. So it's really thinking about how you're structuring the piece to, to make people relate with it, to make them self-qualify and say, yes, that's me. And the way that we do that is by uh, making sure that we get really, really specific when we paint their frustrations, um, that we don't say really obvious things, water is wet statements. I call, uh, not just me, a bunch of people call them that, but, um, and yeah, so it's writing with conversion in mind, writing with the reader in mind. And again, this sounds really cliche, but that's not what most SEO writers are doing. They're writing only with how do we get all these keywords in here? Um, or sometimes they're thinking of different methods, like the skyscraper method. How can I make this bigger and longer? Uh, how can I make it include more? And I'm thinking, does it need to include more? Is this really helping anybody? If you have a list of the top best email marketing tools and the, the ones ranking right now, number one, is 20. Is it going to make it better to include 25? I don't think so. If you really are thinking about the reader, then you'll understand that this person is overwhelmed with the choice. They don't know what's better for their business. They just want something that provides a little bit more value and really explains how are these tools different. If you could really, really dig into that and talk to people and understand how are these tools different, all these tools that look exactly the same, and how is this better for this kind of company or that kind of company, and you could write that with five tools on your list, that's the opposite of the skyscraper technique, but that would really be helping the reader. Um, so just thinking about that rather than some tactics and techniques, but focusing on who is this for and what are what do they really need in this moment but again you have to get to know them to be able to to know those kind of things yeah i love that you brought up the skyscraper technique because i like i think like every just like everything else out there like there's a time and a place and yes there are times where some there's a something really shallow like a shallow piece of content that's ranking well yeah okay yeah. you you then the skyscraper technique quote unquote works because you do need to add more depth, but that's not, like you said, that's not always the the solution. I feel like this is the, where this is where I feel like, again, kind of skill set gap time of type of thing in terms of people look at like, Oh, it's a best practice or it's a best practice to keyword stuff, or it's a best practice to always make it longer and bigger and whatever. And rather than thinking about things in terms of, Frame, frameworks they think about things in terms of process yeah it's like if it's the skyscraper process everything we do is skyscraper versus no there's a framework where the skyscraper process is maybe part of it or it's a playbook that's in your arsenal um so that's i love that you bring that up uh any other again we kind of dove pretty deep here but any uh, any other skill sets that come to mind that you think are important for the revenue centric seo well, uh, marketing ops, 
<laughs> like obviously understanding how to set up attribution is a skill set that's going to make this a lot easier. So if you have a marketing ops person in-house or if you can get that somebody who can go and make sure that your data structure is correct and your CRM, that it, things are getting attributed properly, uh, then you can really track revenue and you can see what's making an impact or not. So you connect it to a vendor. So this is a major skill set that most SEOs or content writers don't have. Uh, and I don't think that they specifically need to have it, but it's an additional skill set that you need to bring on to be able to make sure that you're actually tracking things. Uh, this is a pain point of ours currently right now, trying to find this person. <laughs> Fair enough. In that case, I'm not going to ask you the question. Or maybe I should, I'll ask it and you, you tell me if it's if it's something you can dive into. But um, number one, I agree. And the second, uh, the question was going to be, um, like, do you have any tips in terms of how somebody should be setting up, uh, we'll call it content attribution? Oof. Yeah, this is so this is something that we're trying to figure out the perfect. Well, there's going to be no perfect way to do it, especially not as an agency, because every client has a different total CRM uh, of different payment plans and their sales team are all using them differently as well. Uh, so I don't really have an exact guidance to this. I think what's really important is that you clearly define the different points in the sales cycle and that everybody's on the same page about how that's clearly defined and that they're all actually moving people along on the funnel and it's getting marked in there. So that way you can actually see what's going on from the lead to the opportunity to the win close or whatever is in between. You want to be able to see what's going on there because that also helps you forecast. So getting that data structure right, um, investing in the right plan of whatever CRM you have or CMS or whatever it is that you need to set up, just investing in it to make sure that it's set up correctly and make sure that you can come and get buy-in from your sales team. This is so vital because without all of this set up, you could plug in any vendor, Dream Data, Hockey Stack, whatever, but they're not going to be able to accurately track SEO sourced revenue unless that's set up on your sales side. So it actually requires a lot of alignment. And this is why it doesn't make sense as well for SEO to work in a silo and just be like some box to check because they actually need to align with sales, not only in understanding what leads they're talking about and those kind of things, but they need to align on sales on how they're tracking revenue and what all the steps are and whether it's working or not. So you can go back and see how you need to revise the, the strategy. And this yes. is something that's not getting done so much. Well, and you, going back to something, one of the first things you said, which I think is really, really important, it's it's a it's a channel. It's not a strategy even. And I think yeah. and the other thing I would say is SEO is a skill set, right? It's search engine optimization. It's a skill set of yeah. optimizing for search engines. Organic traffic or the organic channel is the channel you're optimizing, right? So it's, yeah. it's just like if you really think about it, it's kind of right there, self-explanatory, but a lot of people think about it as a, I don't know, something else that it's really not. Yeah. Um, the one thing, and I'm curious if you guys do this, I mean, one of the core things we often look at from a measurement perspective is trying to correlate and uh, content consumption to actual, to revenue impact. Because other times there's, there's a lot of noise, right, in terms of, yeah. okay, well, they visited this page and they visited this other page, they visited all these pages, and then revenue came out. When in reality, you might find, well, they visited this page for 
two seconds. And then he went to this other page and they spent a minute or two minutes and they scrolled through this thing and they looked at all this yeah. stuff and they clicked on all these things. But if your attribution isn't set up appropriately for consumption measurement, you're going to do something incorrect and attribute yeah. the wrong way and all that fun stuff. No, that's true. That's a good point. So setting up also just hot jar screen recordings or hot jar. I mean, you can, you can, yeah, I mean, we've, you can do sort of the, even a, the heck, I would say even like the basic, uh, even, even out of the box, if you had to like the, uh, scroll depth measurement in Google analytics, right. If, and just yeah. using that, there's, there's more complicated ways to do it that are better. Um, but, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff with Tag yeah. Manager and see how long they stay in a specific thing and all that jazz. But without getting into all that complex stuff, I think even that basic thing tells you, like combine that with time on page and bounce rate and you get a pretty decent view of did they consume the content or not. Yeah. Because if they didn't consume yeah. it, then there's no way it had any impact, right? Right. Yeah, it would be kind of, I, I mean, I guess that's how you could see, you know, if they didn't consume anything, but they still clicked a demo, uh, then maybe they actually, maybe the attribution goes to somewhere else. Maybe mm -hmm. it's because they watched a webinar, did something, and then somehow they ended up on that page yeah. and quickly clicked elsewhere. Yep. The other thing I wrote down that I also want to emphasize that you said is the, you know, the headline should tell the story, which I, I love that part too, because it's, you know, if you're going to post something to social, whatever, let's just say that's been written, that headline is, if I can, if you can learn something from the, from the headline and the whatever cover image or whatever, something like that. I think that's, that's key, right? They yeah. don't have to click and read the whatever thousand word article if they don't, have, if they don't want to, but at least they get something out of it. Yeah. And it's really important to be able to just get the value from wherever you're looking at it. There's one of our strategists always says, uh, bluff, B-L-U-F bottom line up front. So just tell them what they're looking for up front. If they want to keep reading, they will. <laughs> And that works for the headline as well, and just the headings, yep. each subheading. I have to imagine probably not a big difference in terms of the tool sets you're using necessarily, other than maybe you're spending a little bit more time in the CRM or the CRM data, yeah. uh, pipeline data, et cetera. But um, what, what are the core tools uh, in your mind to be able to do, again, revenue-centric SEO? Uh, so I'll just tell you about our tech stack because yep. that's what we think is core for us. Uh, so we are currently using Ahrefs for keyword research, ClearScope for on-page optimization. And that really helps as well. ClearScope is really cool because uh, you can write a whole article and make it flow and make it interesting. And then you'll still be able to add all the keywords that you need. Uh, and it doesn't have to be so strictly SEO. You just answer the questions that need to be answered overtly or uh, not. Um, so that's a really, really great tool for research and for writing. We use ClickUp as a project management tool. So we're very, very strict on process. And that includes even from subject matter expert interviewing uh, to every single step of the blog post. We sh You should be able to look at your project management tool and understand exactly what the blog post needs and who owns it in that very moment. Uh, and that really helps us produce, that it helps us maintain the quality and quantity balance because we can produce a lot of content and maintain quality because we have a process for every single thing. So the project management tool that we use is extremely important. Um, obviously Slack to communicate. Uh, and then it comes, to, and, and actually we don't really have a very fancy tech stack at the end of the day when it comes to 
coming up with SEO strategies, we use Google itself a lot of the time, uh, Ahrefs, and we really don't need that much more. A lot of the stuff that we do is because we're boots on the ground talking to people and figuring things out that way and then and then going into data analytics data we, we use google search console religiously that's one of my favorite tools ever um so we use google search console heavily google analytics now we have to prepare to use ga4 which is depressing uh so <laughs> we'll see we'll see how that goes we got to make the shift uh, and then finding some kind of vendor for for attribution. So that's going to be right now. We're we still haven't fully decided yet. We're playing around with with Dream Data and, and Hockey Stack and connecting that to your CRM and just making sure that it's all set up correctly. It's a pretty basic tech stack. Nothing extravagant. Um, we don't really need anything. What Google Sheets, obviously. Yep. <laughs> No, that, that makes sense. Again, it's I think it, it, in this case, it's really the mindsets and skill sets that kind of yeah. set the tone. The tools are going to be the same in terms of yeah. how you're going to create your content and build your strategy. Um, yeah, it's more of what you're going to do with those tools that matters. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, can you uh, can you share? I mean, it all sounds great, right? And I think. Can you share? Uh, some results out of this? Like how has changing this mindset, what has that done for you or your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll give you a case study from a client. Uh, well, they're still our client, but I'll talk about what we did last year. In, in 12 months, we managed to 400% uh, growth in traffic. Uh, so that was interesting, of course, but it was correlated with revenue. Revenue quadrupled as well. Uh, and the way that we looked at this is, uh, following exactly the same mindset. Every single CTA that we had on every single page was never subscribed to an email list or anything other than book a demo. Basically, every single CTA was book a demo, but every single CTA was targeted to the page in the search intent. So we started really bottom of the funnel. Talk about that just to maybe illustrate a little bit for somebody who doesn't do this day in and day out. What does that mean in terms of uh... Uh, customizing the CTA for the, right. for, the for the intent. So um, this particular tool that that I'm referring to is a software that connects hardware to booking software. Um, so a lot of the things that people are going to be looking for is going to be related to locks, for example. So it connects a smart lock to the booking software, uh, and a lot of hoteliers are going to look for smart locks or different kind of door locks. So we would do something like hotel door locks is, is a page that we would that we optimized for. Um, and the CTA on that is going to be, are you wasting tons of money on key cards every year? And do you want to upgrade your door locks? We uh, can save you a lot of money, operate, whatever, book a demo. On a different one, it's going to be maybe Airbnb smart lock is going to be the page. So it's optimized for that search intent. And then the CTA, which is going to lead to the same book a demo. Everything is book a demo. It's the same exact thing. But the language on there is going to be, do you want a smart lock? Do you want to connect your smart lock to Airbnb so it aligns with your bookings? Book a demo. This is what we do. Uh, so every single time there's the demo, we, we change the language, the copy of every single CTA, even though the actual action is the same, but it needs to match the topic and the search intent of the, the keyword that we optimized it for. Yeah, and then having to do that, I would assume also uh, kind of makes 
knowing that you need to do that makes the content itself better because you can't write a fluff piece about whatever, what's a smart lock? And then, you know, talk about, yeah. oh, and if you want to, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, uh, get a demo. It's like, wait, that, that Why? no. Yeah, no, it all really ties in together. Yeah. It all needs to make sense, especially if all of the CTAs are going to be for some kind of revenue driving activity. I guess when you get farther and farther top of the funnel, it does make sense to build email lists and those kind of things. But I'm a lot more interested in just booking demos, but then it needs to match the topic. Sometimes it's like, how can I put book a demo on this topic? It doesn't make any sense. These people aren't ready for that. Um, but then it makes you pick topics where people are going to be more ready for that. Um, yeah, so we we didn't look at search intent at all. We look, we focused on, sorry, we, we didn't look at search volume at all. We focused on search intent uh, mostly and making sure that it was very, very relevant to the kind of person who would be looking to buy uh, and we, we published, we slowly kept increasing the publishing velocity. So we just started with like four pieces a month and then we increased to six and now we're at 12. Um, and just staying like really, really long tail. Most other companies in this industry in vacation rentals, they're going for super high volume articles, uh, like Airbnb host login. So this, this has thousands, tens of thousands of uh, search volume visits per month. But what it is, is just a host trying to log into Airbnb. It's not, has nothing to do with somebody actually trying to buy a specific kind of tool. Uh, and there's a lot of these companies that are going after these like big fancy ones. So we stayed away from that. Uh, we said, what are all the points in the buying journey, getting really close to the customer? So if they might be looking for door locks and if it's a hotel door lock or Airbnb smart lock, they're obviously operating this um, and they're looking for a new lock. So they might also be looking for a software that's going to connect it to their booking platform to make the work greatly reduced for them. So just trying to understand what's the journey, how can we connect that in SEO? Let's forget about search volume and, and traffic ends up growing like crazy anyway, because it's a lot easier to rank for these keywords. You rank for them way faster, you get clicks faster, and then everything else becomes easier from there. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, um, you bring up um, going long tail. And I think that's that's just that's sort of the, the, the Amazon strategy of SEO, right? It's like go after the little things that like the, the two people care about, but those are the two people that are probably the most likely to buy the product today because yeah. they're in market. You get 100% conversion there. <laughs> yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, you, you mentioned... Um, uh, you mentioned hospitality as, as the example. What, what what are some of the other industries you work with typically? Uh, typically, it's all B2B SaaS, so mostly MarTech, sales tech, uh, or hospitality, specifically vacation rental technology. So that's like our little niche area, and then everything else is MarTech and sales tech. Awesome. Well, you heard it here, folks. If you want to quadruple your revenue through the organic channel, uh, talk to Mava with uh, Flying Cat. Um, really briefly before I let you go, uh, I want to do the lightning round. We had a couple of, uh, I forgot to mention that when we first started, but it's, uh, don't worry about it. They're easy, lazy, easy kind of, uh, layup questions, but they're, they're fun. Right. Um, you pretty much, the, the topic of this uh, show probably, uh, addresses the first one, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Ooh, um, the main KPI I used, I guess it's pipeline growth or even revenue growth. Why not? Yep. 
Um, what is a new strategy and tactic you're looking forward to testing out this year? Oh God, so I'm building an entire framework that I'm calling the FGS framework, which stands for Foundations, Growth and Scale. And it's a way that I'm gonna audit every single website to hit, we're gonna set, decide what it is to be a score of 100 uh, and audit every website that comes on to see what the score is. And that's gonna help direct us to know exactly what actions we need to take to move forward. More on that later. Awesome, <laughs> love it. So propri proprietary uh, scoring and framework. Yeah. Awesome, I'd love to, love to hear how that goes. Uh, what is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh God, uh, my least favorite business word or phrase is this is this is hard. There's a lot of them that that. What's the one that's like nails on a chalkboard for you? Get more MQLs. <laughs> okay. I'm starting to get annoyed by dark social. To be honest, it's starting to feel a little cliche. I I, I will second that personally because it's for, for those of us. I'm gonna I'm gonna age myself. For those of us who've been around for a while, it's like that's just word of mouth marketing, digital word of mouth. That's all it is. It's been it's been, it's been around it's for years. Still, yeah, somebody just coined it, and now everybody's like, "Have you heard of the dark social?" But it is just word of mouth. I mean, it's it's a it's a brilliant move, right? In terms of yeah. doing that, it's always good to coin a term or at least take it over as a as a category. It's can't can't hate on that, but yeah, it's yeah. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book? Oh, um, I I really like Deep Work, and I really also like. Um, never split the difference. It is about negotiating, but I think it applies, all the techniques apply every part of business, even interviewing people. Uh, so when you're trying to get subject matter expertise or every part of business, I think those techniques work really well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. I think that's like, to me, that should be mandatory reading. Honestly, not even just business, I think it's just life in general. Like yeah. that should just be mandatory reading for everybody. Um, what is a best practice that you feel like hands down just needs to go by the wayside? Mar marketing best practice. Marketing best practice that we need to get rid of entirely. Um, this is hard. If it's a best practice, but it needs to go, then it's just a bad practice. Uh, That's the I, problem I with think... most best practices. They get old. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I don't know if this is the best practice per se. Uh, oh, well, one best practice that needs to go is just cold pitching people on LinkedIn, for example. It's not really marketing, but people are still doing that. I don't know if it if it works. I feel like it doesn't. Uh, so that needs to go. Please make it go for my own inbox. Um, <laughs> and then I think... Yeah, just seeing any kind of strategy, any kind of marketing strategy as a silo on its own and not something that's holistic and needs to be looked at in connection to everything else. That's not really a best practice, but that's something that needs to go. Awesome. A uh, couple of uh, fun ones uh, just about you. Um, what is something about you that most people wouldn't know? That most people wouldn't know? Um, I do improv theater and I hope to be to do some clowning one day. <laughs> Very cool. I'd, I'd, lo I'd love to see that when you do. <laughs> uh, you're, you're braver than me. I'm not getting on stage is not uh, not something I I get it's excited fun. about personally. 
virtual stage, I'm okay with, yeah. but live stage, I don't know. Um, so I applaud you for that. What is your favorite um, either song or uh, band or musical act? Oh, I lost. Sorry, I lost you a little bit. Can you repeat that? Yeah. What is your favorite uh, song or band or musical act? My favorite song, band, or musical act. Um, so my favorite song. This is really hard, Mike. These questions. I, <laughs> my favorite song changes very frequently. Um, I would say that a song that brings really good memories for me is called Gotas de Lluvia by Grupo Nietzsche. It's a salsa song from Cali, Colombia, and my dad is from there, so he played it a lot as a kid. My favorite band, uh, I go through, uh, I, my favorite band as a kid, I guess I could say, was Blink-182. I don't really listen to them anymore, but they still hold a place in my heart. Otherwise, I do like some producers. Musical act is going to be Phantom of the Opera. Very cool. <laughs> we answered all three. Awesome. Well, um, Iva, this was uh, awesome to chat with you finally. And I think you just uh, shared a lot of great insights. Hopefully people take it away and start doing, start doing better SEO. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having Mike. It's been great. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library, complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.